Hello, everyone. My name is Kate. I'm Lisa. Hello. And you're listening to Artwise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 100th episode of Artwise. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Lisa. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just kind of give uh, a little introduction for what we're here on Artwise to talk about today. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, Hello, everyone. My name is Lisa Buckley, and I'm a puppeteer. And I've been a puppeteer for over, oh my goodness, excuse me, over 30 years which is crazy. And um, I started out becoming a puppeteer when I was really, really young growing up. There weren't a lot of uh, women role models. This was in the 70s. And one of the couple were Jane Goodall and also Diane Fossey and, of course, Jacques Cousteau. But we're talking women role models. And I thought they were the most amazing women ever. Excuse me. And I decided that's what I want to be. I want to be an animal biologist, a zoologist. So I studied every animal book written. I knew all about animals and I was, that's it. That's my life. I'm going to college. I'm going to become a wildlife biologist or a zoologist. I get to college. I take science classes and I realize I don't like science at all. <laughs> I'm not very good <laughs> at it. And it just wasn't interesting to me. I realized, you know, I want more for my animals. I want them to talk. I want them to have lives. And the uh, school that I went to just so happened to have a puppetry class, and it was six credits for a semester, which is a lot. So I took that, and Kate, I fell in love. I became a puppeteer. I quit school. And, you know, it's always funny. The universe, you say you want to do one thing, and the universe goes, no, I don't think so. (laughs) So that's my crazy story of how I became a puppeteer. I I love stories like that. I feel like every every artist that comes on this podcast has like like a pivot point <laughs> where right? they they want to do something else because people are saying, "Oh, you should go to school for something practical." And then they get like on a course correction a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Like slapped in the face like, "Nope. <laughs> you're going to be a puppeteer <laughs> and you're going to love it." <laughs> and you're like, "What? Wait, no." I want to be an animal scientist. (laughs) Yeah, so crazy. Very crazy. Uh, Can you share a little bit more about your journey into the world of puppetry? And we know how you discovered that it was your passion, but how how did you start your career into puppetry? Well, I must say I've been very, very fortunate. So when I took that class in um, college that I took the puppetry class, I noticed on the bulletin board was a advertisement meeting puppeteers, which was very strange. And it was a group that were doing uh, holiday specials and they did them for Showtime. It was Metromedia back in the day, but then Showtime bought out Metromedia. So we did six holiday specials for them, all with puppets. So I got to make puppets and perform puppets. And I also became the prop person because it was a very small team. So that allowed me to quit school. And my parents were like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Meanwhile, the University of Connecticut, you can get a doctorate in puppetry. So there you go. Uh, And then after that, it just seemed to be one thing after another. I was in the right place at the right time. And yes, I've done my fair share of birthday parties and, you know, those little shows. I did those. 
but my career just sort of followed this incredible line of being in the right place at the right time. So after the holiday specials, uh, ALF came along, which was totally crazy. And that got me to Los Angeles and, and out there for eight years working. And then I worked on this crazy show called Scorch, which was a dragon version of ALF. And it just so happened that one of the puppeteers, uh, her husband worked on Sesame Street and said, you should try out for Sesame Street because they're looking for women puppeteers. Because this was a time when Sesame Street didn't have a real lot of women puppeteers and they, you know, they decided to expand that. So I auditioned for that and that allowed me to come back to New York because um, I grew up on the East Coast. And so I worked on Sesame Street. So it's been this chain of, of very fortunate events. Thank you, universe. <laughs> and then after that, I realized, yeah, television puppetry is wonderful, but it's, it's, I want something different. I want something more. And the humanitarian aid work came after that. And that for me is, that is truly where my heart and soul lie. And that started from ex Sesame Street people, ex Muppet people wanting to do something after 9-11 because they were going to bomb Afghanistan and they were incredibly worried about the children and they did a, a landmine awareness show with puppets for the children to you know, be very careful. And that sort of spiraled into, well, okay, let's do disaster risk reduction, let's do peace building, let's do trauma, let's do wash, let's do malaria. So yeah, and that it's just been amazing. I've been so fortunate, so, so fortunate. So, so that's good, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I feel like, you you keep saying I was in the right place at the right time, but yeah. really I think I think that when you follow your passions and you're so passionate about something and like you know, like when you find your thing as an artist, yes. as a creative, as anybody, and you figure out, okay, this is what I was put on this earth to do. I feel right. like the rest of your path for anybody falls into place so easily so that you can help people through what you yes. love to do. That's what you're I believe. You're so right. <laughs> no, you're so, you're so, so right. Yeah. You just have to let go and just believe. And sometimes that's difficult because, you know, as an artist, you know, sometimes there's no work at all. And then you begin to doubt yourself and, oh my goodness, what have I done? I, you know, I can't, I didn't go to college. I didn't finish college. Oh my gosh. But it's always at the last moment when you're just about ready to say, all right, I quit. The universe says, not so fast. <laughs> Here's something for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, totally crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. I I also, I read that you uh, are also a teacher and a yoga instructor. Uh, tell me about how you got into that. Well, I got into the yoga because we do these workshops, humanitarian workshops, and I always wanted to bring something different to the workshop like before we start making puppets and before we start talking about whatever issue of the day we're talking about and it's difficult to sometimes get people to open up so I was taking yoga also because the plane rides to where I go are so long I needed something for myself too so I, I started doing yoga and I really I really loved it because puppetry is a very physical sport and you know you need to be in some form of shape and and you're you know you're in a pretzel position most of the time when you do television puppets so doing yoga has helped with that and meditation so i would bring that to the participants in the workshops and i would offer it in the morning at like six o'clock 
in the morning. And I was always amazed how many people came when we would just have a circle and I would just do, we would do simple meditation and chair yoga really and breath work. And, and it was just, it was so wonderful to see all the people just saying, yes, we need this too. So I would offer that. And also, and then I got my 200 hour in yoga. And then we would play like these crazy games, play. Play is very important too, because that, you know, people suffering from trauma, it's a, a breakdown of their, you know, their personal relationships with other people, they become disconnected. So play and yoga kind of helps make that connection. And you're working with aid workers too, who are absorbing so much trauma that you want them to have strategies to help them deal with some of this. So. And so I'm also um, not only doing that, I've also branched off with a couple of lovely people at um, Your Direct Path and we're offering trainings on uh, yoga, puppetry and play to help you know, train other you know, teachers, aid workers, hospital workers, whoever works with children. So yeah, it's, just, it's expanding the puppet world even more, so. Yeah, that's amazing. And you so when you teach, um, like when you do yoga instruction, you do you have like separate classes for like adults and then also for children, too? Or? Yes. Yes. OK. Yes. And then sometimes when we're doing it with the puppets, like, well, like this puppet here, I'll show you one of them. This is just a simple hand puppet. We make the puppet do the yoga and the puppet teaches, you know, the kids how to breathe. Morning, Kate. How are you today? I'm just a simple, simple hand puppet just made out of some fleece, and I got a little stick arms. And uh, But I'm a yoga instructor, actually. 200 hours. Thank you very much. Yeah, and That's I teach amazing. You how to breathe. Yeah, you just breathe in through your nose, hold, and then exhale through your mouth. Very good. You're a natural. <laughs> so <Thank> this. You. <laughs> so it's kind of nice having the puppets teach yoga and meditation and breath and the kids you know teach the puppet so it's 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 involving the puppet as a tool because you know i've noticed that puppetry there's so many different um, ways it can be used it's not just for television there's just you know theater it's 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 art it's it's a healing technique for people suffering from trauma it's a teaching tool so yeah it's it's quite funny to see and people love puppets they just talk to the puppet it's it doesn't matter how old you are I'm always amazed, like, you know, giant seven foot men that used to work in the army or, or you're talking to a puppet. So it's, it's amazing. This is I, I love that. If I, so I've been trying to learn uh, yoga for a while, but I've been, I've been following because I'm, I meditate a lot and I'm, I'm a oh. really heavily, uh, I don't know if you've listened to any of the art wise episodes or not, but I'm heavily into like the, like the spiritual space. And I know that yes. yoga would really help me. I am so bad at it, but I just started. So I, but I struggle with like, I do forget to breathe. So if I th feel like if I had like a puppet telling me to breathe through it, I feel like it would do much better. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say no to a puppet, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. <laughs> <You> wouldn't. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. Good for you for doing yoga. That's, you know, it's hard because a lot of the yoga you feel like, oh, I, I, my body isn't perfect, I can't do it. But yoga is, uh, is supposed to be accessible to everyone. It's not poses. It's 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 a whole lifestyle. So good for you. Mm -hmm. Don't hang in there. <laughs> yeah, in. I, I started out. I started out just doing chair yoga because that was easy for me because I was so out of shape. And then I gradually 
proceeded from there. So, and you have to find the right teacher. It's, it's, it's like a, yeah, you will, but good for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. The very simple poses I can do. Mm -hmm. Anything that requires any sort of flexibility or strength. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm very, yes. I, I'm, I would say that I'm very out of shape. I haven't exercised since I was in like high school. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get back into it because I know how beneficial it is and how helpful yes. it is to like move your body and like release those tra trapped emotions and yes. focus on breathing and meditating. I know how important that is. So I yes, really do want to want to learn. So I want to already ask doing about it. That. You're already doing <laughs> yoga just by showing up. You're doing it. So good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. So my mom was actually so excited when you applied to be a guest on art. I was so excited, but my mom was especially excited, especially when she heard that you worked on ALF. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I did. That and was so Oh, it's so funny. When people talk about ALF, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, that was, it feels like a hundred years ago, but I was the left hand on ALF. And I used to have one of those chairs, you know, one of the, uh, director's chair and it just said left hand on it <laughs> which i thought was great <laughs> yeah so, so that fun. was like my first big big show and it was crazy because it was it was so immensely popular popular sorry and then it just sort of died away and it would get it would get incredible fan mail it got a lot of fan mail from prisoners which is quite interesting i guess because they could relate to being in lockdown i don't know it was very strange but yeah, it was a very good experience. It was crazy, crazy, but a lot of work. I mean, it was a lot of work. That puppet was, he was tough. I did, I did want to ask, how, as a puppeteer, do you bring your, these characters to life in a way that they can create meaningful connections with anyone who, who views them? Oh, oh, well, it's funny on ALF because I was the left hand. I, I had to become a part of ALF. So, you know, like your hand, your left hand doesn't do its own thing. It has to be a part of the right hand. It has to be a part of the body. So that, that was very interesting how to work with someone, how to listen to them and to make myself just be, just be one with them. It was, it's almost like a meditation thing too, because you, you become one with that person. So that was that was kind of interesting. It was hard in the beginning because you're like, no, no, we should do this. And then you realize, no, no, I'm not Alf. I'm just the left hand. I'm assisting. So that was a nice lesson in patience and trust and, and listening skills. Um, then when I was on Sesame Street, that's just such a an amazing show because it's been on for long. It's just this gigantic, successful machine which just knows what they're doing. So um, the character, it, you just, you have to learn how to, I guess, trust yourself and just be, just do the best job you can. You're working with the best puppeteers in the world. So you just kind of try to you up your game right away, which is nice. But because you're not, you're not, it's not shot live. You're not really interacting with too many children and people because you have, you have to do the script and they have, you know, two days to finish the script. So it's very you know, regimented and there's moments of play and fun, but it's, it's a job. So that's why I like doing the humanitarian aid work because you're right with people in the moment. 
for me, that's more satisfying. I mean, some people, it's the other thing that's more satisfying, which is fine. But for me, it's it's working with people, especially people who've never seen a puppet, which is crazy, and who have never had the opportunity to become a puppeteer or make puppets. But that's so much more satisfying for me. It's joy. That's that's so cool. I I can't even imagine like taking that path. How can like can would do you feel comfortable talking about how the people around you were reacting to kind of how your career in puppetry unfolded? Because I was thinking, like, I can't even imagine, like, if I had a friend who, like, was a professional puppeteer, like, that would just be so cool. Like, I don't know, did you, did you, your family and friends, was it, like, a positive, like, that is so cool? Or, like, how, how did that go for you? It's funny. At first, my, my parents were like, what, why are you, why are you doing this? Why can this, why do you want to do this as a job? They couldn't understand it until I worked on Elf. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, yeah, my daughter works on Elf, which was just such a funny, I know, such a funny uh, chain of events there, change of heart for them. Um, they don't really, they didn't really understand it too much because, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm doing the um, Macy's Day Parade because Sesame has a float on that. And they would just, they couldn't wrap their head around what that meant because my father, he, he worked at uh, IBM, so he was very corporate world. And he could not for the life of him understand how you make a living doing puppets and you know it's like sometimes yes I do make a living but sometimes I don't <laughs> make a living you know it's very up and down which is another you know it's difficult in itself it's being a freelance person it's that's a, another whole job because you got to send stuff out and you have to audition and I'm not very good at auditioning I just I I, I don't know I, I don't understand it too well if you give me the job I can do it but to audition for it I I have trouble with that. So so I tend to create my own puppets and my own puppet shows. So I don't have to audition. <laughs> and I'm lucky because my husband is a, a puppeteer and he is an amazing artist and he makes the puppets. So, I mean, he works as a in a school now, but he was for a long, long time a puppeteer too. And he's very good. And my kids, they were funny in the beginning they loved it. And then they were like, oh, God, Mom, please stop. Stop with the puppets. <laughs> and I didn't stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was very crazy. But now they, you know, they, they think it's cool. They think it's very cool. So I, I think it's it super is. cool. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was also wondering um, with all of the uh, humanitarian work that you do currently and, you know, working on, on television as well. How do you believe that in like those different areas that puppetry can benefit people in building those interpersonal skills in building empathy and also in their communication abilities? Well, the beautiful thing about puppetry, first off, is there's so many different kinds of puppets and I think there's a puppet style for any type of learner. So, and, and puppets, they're, they're almost like they're just filled with magic because they affect children. Children obviously resonate with puppets right away, but adults do too. And I mean, I've worked with, with hardcore, you know, army guys and, you know, the first day they were terrifying. By the end of the week, they were singing and laughing 
and making puppets and I would say, okay, you know, guys, it's time for lunch. And they'd be like, no, Lisa, we, we, we have to finish making our puppets. We need to put the googly eyes on. No, no, no. They, they were so fun. And it's always the men. <laughs> so men are always the ones that first go, no, I don't want to do this. And at the end, they're just, you know, they're on stage. They're singing and dancing and laughing and performing their puppets. And they're, they're cradling their puppets. It's almost like they were their child. It, it's so funny. They would never leave it on the floor. They would always take care of it. It, it was, they named it. it. It's just, it's such a joy to watch. And I, I think that's the, um, the power of puppetry. And puppetry is self-expression. If I said to you, okay, Kate, I want you to make a puppet that represents sadness. And whatever you made is perfect. And it's right. You can't get it wrong. So I think that is a, a wonderful thing about puppets. and puppet making is a social event you're working together you're exchanging ideas like if we wanted to talk about wash open defecation how do you talk about that in a place where it's such a sensitive subject and culturally extremely difficult to talk about how do you talk about poop and open defecation and getting people to realize the uh, connection between open defecation and disease transference and diarrhea, which kills so many children, well, <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> you make a Mr. Poop puppet. Hey, Kate. Oh, my goodness. What's happening? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Oh, Mr. Poop. That's right. I'm a talking poop made out of a sock. I I'm totally made out of a sock. I got beads for eyes. I got little flies on my head. But I know all about poop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm going to show you my friend. So uh, this is my friend cholera. That's right, it's cholera. And oh my a, goodness! And it's just a you know a piece of uh, material stuffed on a stick with eyes and teeth, and it becomes cholera. I love him so much. You know why, Kate? Do you know why I love why? cholera? Because it makes why? people sick. It makes people. Oh my sick. goodness! I'm I'm awful. I'm a bad poop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, so this is like an icebreaker because when you're sitting in a circle and there's something always wonderful about sitting in a circle, it gets people to talk. I think it's because it's an ancient way of people sitting together. So you're sitting here and you're making your poop puppet and, and you know, it's just a sock stuff. And then you're talking about pooping. And I, I think because you're making it and you're looking at it, you're not looking at each other. Everyone is in the same position making the puppet. It just opens up discussion on a sensitive subject and you get all these ideas and you get solutions and they tell you like in one place in Africa it was um, you know the fathers would be like well they want their kids to poop in the front yard because it shows the village that they can feed their children I would have never have known that that's something that's quite interesting and okay so how do I make that put into the story that we have to get them to realize Yes, you're feeding your children, but you're also exposing them to potential cholera and, you know, diseases and germs and diarrhea that could kill them. So, and also, uh, what was the other one? There were women in Bangladesh and they would, the, I think like the UN made them toilets and they wouldn't use the toilets. And when they asked why, they said, well, we like to go out in the field in the morning, all the women, and it's where we get to complain about our husbands and it's, it's like our little coffee time. So they, they weren't going to give that up because that was a part of their routine. So you have to 
help them understand, okay, how do we get them to realize that they can have that in a different way, but we need them to have practice good sanitation habits and washing of hands. So you, you, you get these characters that become stories and, you know, people, they start acting. I mean, had like ministers of health, grown, grown people becoming Mr. Poop and, and having these whole stories. And then you have the whole wash characters. You have dirty water and you have, oh, you have the latrine because this is where you want them to go. But you have to make sure latrines are safe and they're clean. And, you know, they're because the little kids don't want to use them because they could fall in the pit and sometimes there's snakes in there. So it's like this whole thing. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is this is an incredibly difficult subject matter. How do we get people to realize this? But it's all play. You do it through play and stories and then it, it becomes solutions. And then you take that and you go into schools and you go into communities and you show everybody. And then they start to realize, oh, I, I get the connection. It's just another way of making the connection. I see what's happening now. If I don't wash my hands and I'm making dinner after I've changed the baby, if poop can get into the dinner and then I'm making my whole family sick. So it's crazy. <laughs> and then, you, you know, you have your clean water. Your jerry can. Hello, Kate. How are you today? I'm just a simple jerry can. And, and she's just made out of cardboard, just with rubber bands. And which is also another thing that I like to do is when we're doing the puppets, it's all items that are in country, recyclables, bottles, cardboard, newspaper can be made into puppets, which is another fabulous thing about puppets. You can make them out of anything. <laughs> So, yeah, so puppets are, they're, they're just so magical, so very magical. Yeah, I, I, I would think, see, I, I feel like, especially nowadays, I feel like people get so concerned about how you're presenting uh, such important information. Like, I know some people are like, oh, well, you you don't want to use puppets to talk about serious topics because you don't want to make light of something that's so serious. But I know for myself personally, like some of my core memories of like important things that I learned like throughout my childhood into adulthood stick in my mind so much more because they were taught in a way that like resonated and was kind of fun and like memorable. And so I don't know how you feel about, I don't know if you face any of that, any of people saying, well, is it appropriate to to use puppetry for this topic? I don't know if you wanted to speak on that. I, so far, no, it's always been, um, they think, wow, this is a wonderful tool to add, to put in our toolbox, to add to what we're teaching. It's just another way of saying the message. It's more, you know, more visual. Maybe that will help your visual learners. It's um, it's allowing because we our our purpose. The a little NGO that I, I worked for, No Strings International, they use puppets to teach these you know life saving lessons. It was always let's get the kids to come up with the solutions because if you empower the kids, you know they're going to grow up into that community and then they're going to become the leaders. So if you get them when they're young and then you they make them feel important they can go back to their houses and, and tell their parents, tell the, you know, if they're in a refugee camp, say, this is what I learned today. And here's a shadow show that we made. Let me show you. 
So it's just another way of talking about something. And it, it, it seems to resonate with a lot of people because puppets are non-threatening. So it allows you to talk about sensitive subjects that, you know, as a human, you might not be able to because they might get all like, you, you shouldn't talk about that. Women shouldn't talk about that. Or, you know, you're a child, you shouldn't talk about that. But if you present it with puppets, it, it sort of bypasses all of that. And you, you can get, it's, it seems to be allowed. And puppets can talk about, you know, things that are unseen, like the germ, you know, like emotions. You know, this is just a simple emotion puppet it's just made out of, you know, uh, uh, that beautiful foam paper and stuff. And she's happy. So you can talk about, all right, Kate, what makes you happy? When you're happy, where do you feel it in your body? Do you feel it in your head? Do you feel it in your heart? You know, what, what do you do with your physical body when you're happy? And, and it helps you to talk about, oh, I'm happy when I'm with my family or I'm happy when I'm with my friends. Um, okay, then what makes you sad? You're sad. And what does sad sound like? What do you do with your body when you're sad? And where do you feel sad? Do you feel that in your heart? <laughs> that little ear pieces. So it allows you to, to talk about things that are unseen and the art of making them too. And while you're making them, you're, you know, you're talking with your, your group and you can all talk about sadness. So it's just a nice tool that, that sort of just goes with whatever you're teaching just to get people interested and thinking on another level. So, and it's fun. It's, it's about fun. And you probably remembered things because it was fun. And that's yeah. a great way to learn. Yeah, that's a very yeah. important way to learn, I think. And especially nowadays for, for kids, the way they learn. I don't think sitting in a, in a desk and just, you know, how I grew up was all by rope. They just to teach you a blah, 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 and you would blah, 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 blah it back. But now you want kids to be involved doing and, and, and expressing themselves through different ways so they'll remember it. So I could talk about puppets I... all day. <laughs> That's what we're here for, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I definitely think it's an underutilized tool because you're yes. so right in that you you do kind of get to present information in in a way that not only like does it make it more memorable, but like exactly what you were saying. Like I can totally see like children going home to their parents and being like, "This is what I learned," and yes, they grow up and they carry that with them. So the world, exactly. even if it's not an instant change, even if the parents are are not like, "Oh yes, like let's implement all of the things you learned immediately," like they're gonna carry that with them. Right. It's gonna be memorable, and they're gonna grow up and they're gonna facilitate change. So exactly. Exactly. You're so right. That's exactly it. And they're, they're going to enjoy themselves and they're going to learn about themselves, learn how to work together, you know, make their social skills uh, stronger, all those things too. And it's also therapy, making puppet art therapy. You know that. Yeah. It's all about that too. It's just another, just another layer of how fabulous puppets can be. So highly recommend them. Uh, I was wondering too, if you could tell us about like maybe like your personal specific experiences in conducting like these uh, workshops in like various countries and how puppetry has addressed like different topics. Like maybe, I don't know if you have like specific stories that you wanted to tell. I know you already told yeah. one with the, with the cholera, but <laughs> if, oh, if yes. you have any others. <laughs> well, I was in uh Turkey 
right on the Syrian border, and we are working with aid workers and uh, clinical psychologists who are working with refugees from Syria. So they came from Lebanon, they came from Jordan, they came from, um, I don't know if they come from Egypt too, maybe, maybe so. And they were working in refugee camps and they were looking for something to help in the child-friendly spaces, which are is tents that have clinical psychologists and games and toys so that the kids can come for an hour a day and, you know, psychologists, sociologists, social workers could work with them just to help them, give them strategies to navigate the trauma and just to keep an eye on them. <clears throat> so it, it was a wonderful workshop and it was building and I, you know, you get, this is one of the, the fault, the bad things that I can do. I, I, I start to get overconfident and I'm, you know, I'm setting up this fabulous table because it's worked a hundred times before with all these supplies on them. And I, you know, I turn to the group and I'm like, all right, everyone, let's make puppets. Thinking, okay, this is going to be great. So all the women run up and they're, they started and none of the men got up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Why aren't the men getting up? Should they, they can't work with the women. They can't stand next to them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot important things. And, and I said, why don't you guys want to do this? And they're like, that's women's work. And I was like, women's work, making puppets. And they're like, yes, that's women's work. Oh no, I'm in trouble. This workshop is going to fail. But then I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to think of what to do. Meanwhile, the women are up there and they're laughing and they're talking and, and I'm watching the men and the men are like craning their necks going, what are they doing over there? What, what's going on? They're laughing. They're having fun. What's going on? So one by one, the men <laughs> and they went to the table and soon they're like shoulder to shoulder, uh, you know, grabbing supplies and talking and laughing and making puppets. And you just have to know your audience, who you're you're working with. And then then again, like I said before, at the end of the workshop, I couldn't get the men off the stage. They wanted to do five shows instead of once everyone had to do a, a show. They had their team would have to pick a, a subject matter within trauma. And they would, they I could get them off the stage. They would not come down. They're like, no, this is so much fun. So it just, it always makes me laugh because the men try to be these, oh, we're men, we're, you know, we don't do fun stuff. And then, but yes, you do, because not too long ago, you were a little boy. You're a child. Your child is still in you. So, so that was, that was good. And then uh, the same, so the same group, yeah, the same group, they were working in the, the Jordanian refugee camp for Syrians and they told us later that in the child-friendly space they had this uh, band puppet and they were you know working with her they were psychologists and they they couldn't get her to talk she had seen her uh, she was very young and she had seen one of her family members get shot right in front of her eyes and killed so of course she had trauma and then she had to leave her homeland and go somewhere else so they were working with her with this, you know, simple hand puppet and it, it wasn't being very successful. So they, you know, wrapped it up for the day and they, they said, okay, thank you very much. Come back. We'll come back again. Um, and, and as she left, she grabbed the puppet. She put it in front of her face and she started to use the puppet to tell the story of what she saw. So they were just so amazed. And it, it you know, I just was like ready to cry because it's just, it's a way she used the puppet as a way to talk about the trauma, which is exactly what was what we wanted and what the puppets can be used as a healing tool. 
So it's just little stories like that of just watching people who don't really have access to art and don't really have access to any sort of play or therapy or, or anything find puppets and then just blossom into these amazing artists and amazing people, which of course they already were. And it's just, I'm never disappointed, never, ever disappointed. It's the power of puppetry and just how fantastic it is as a healing teaching tool. So simple. I mean, just a little thing on a stick can start a conversation. So it's, it's incredible. Just incredible. Kate, it's incredible. It is. I, I think it's also a really, uh, a good reminder to how, how fortunate we are to have access to creative tools. It's, I mean, I, the, the people listening to this, if they're listening to this on a phone or a computer, then you have access to creative tools, you know? So it's like, exactly not everyone yeah. does. And I, I feel like we take it I for know. granted sometimes. And, and it's <laughs> always the first thing that in a budget at a school that cut is art which never makes sense because that's the one thing that connects us all together because you go around the world and everyone is, because we're human, we're artists. Everyone is an artist. Everyone needs to be creative and should have an opportunity to be creative because it's just so beautiful to watch people who don't have access to art and and, um, materials and even just like leaves and grass. I've seen amazing things. And another thing about a type of puppet I have to show you is shadow puppetry which is another art form of puppetry that's really lovely. And teenagers seem to like this. So it's just, this is just a, a pizza box with a shower curtain in, in a white shower curtain. Or you I mean, you could use paper too. And it's just very simple. It's just a flashlight. And again, it's another way to tell stories about the, you know, things that are unseen. So this puppet is uh, anxiety. And he's just a paper cut out with the word anxiety on him. And he can, you know, this is what anxiety feels like, looks like to me. And he can have a name and, and a story and that's my anxiety. Or you get the very, there's always really incredible creative people too. You know, this the sun. And he's just paper with some, sometimes it's just candy wrappers, colored candy wrappers is used as the gel. So, um, and this is, I've seen amazing stories just told in with a cardboard box and a flashlight that'll make you cry. It's just so incredible. So that's just another tool of puppetry is shadow. And, and you can talk about things that are difficult and, you know, people who are introverts or very shy, they seem to love shadow puppetry. They don't want to be seen. <laughs> I don't blame them. What's, what's your favorite type of puppetry if you had to pick one? Well, I, I think I, well, my favorite puppet is Mr. Poop because he's just so ridiculous. I think I really like um, sock puppets, very simple sock puppets. And then my husband, he's a carver. He carved this carrot. He's a, ta- he's a stick puppet. He's a talking carrot. Hello, I love that How carrot. I know. I'm so I'm, <laughs> I'm so carroty. Oh my oh. gosh. <laughs> But uh, we've also made puppets out of paintbrushes, just paintbrush and just I think this paper mache just wrapped around an old paintbrush and then just some fur and, you know, hands on a, on a barbecue skewer. And then it's just another simple, beautiful puppet just made from rags and an old paintbrush paints with a face. So 
yeah, it doesn't have to be crazy material, which is nice when you're traveling to other countries that don't really have supplies. They don't really have phone paper or, or pom-poms or things like that, but they do have newspaper. They do have cardboard. They do have, you know, rags and things like that. You just say, all right, that's a puppet. <laughs> and you just put it on a stick and it becomes a puppet. So, yeah, it's cool. Very cool. So when when you're building puppets and and designing them, what does your approach look look like to effectively convey the emotions and the things that you need them to convey to well, the the audiences? Well, it usually just start just something will pop into my head. Like if I'm at Home Depot, which is like a treasure trove of puppets that don't know their puppets yet, and you just see something, you're like, gosh, that would make an awesome puppet. So it just is an idea in the head and then just a really bad sketch on a piece of paper. And then sometimes I'll show it to my husband. He'll go, okay, I see what you're doing there. And he'll help me. Other times, like the, you know, the emotion ones, sometimes I draw them. Sometimes it just, it just happens. So it's, it's, I I find like this, the coronavirus puppet that I made, he was, um, (laughs) I'm the coronavirus. (laughs) <laughs> he was just a rubber soccer ball that I got at a drugstore. And I said, wow, he's the perfect size for a head. So we just cut it in half and gave him a mouth and then covered him in fur and put all this coronavirus little thingies on him and a crown. Does he have a crown? Oh my goodness. Yeah, he, does. <laughs> he does have a crown. <laughs> and then he becomes the coronavirus. And he's just a simple, he's just, he's just a rubber soccer ball that was like is there like a is there a strategy behind why he has a crown corona is a crown in latin really yeah that's interesting i didn't know that that is so so cool he has the crown and it was you know during the lockdown and didn't have anything else to do so i said let's make a coronavirus because he's the unseen you can you can make it i mean that's you know the picture of me had all these things on him but then he becomes a character. I'm the coronavirus. <laughs> Don't wash your hands, Kate. He's just got foam teeth and the foam tongue. And yeah, I don't know if you can see him there, but he's just cardboard and tape and foam. And and the the foam is the soccer ball. It's cut in half. Wow. <laughs> and he's really light. And he's super light. <laughs> it's yeah, just so cr- it's- crazy to think about like a like a little soccer ball from like the store it just becomes like a whole being. And it's crazy it's too, being. because when, like when you're wa- like from the perspective of like the audience, like watching you be these characters, like it's really such like a drastic, like they're their own characters. Like they're their own individuals. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like, they are. <laughs> so it's, it's incredible. Like, I don't know, like, how did, how do you do it? I watched a lot of cartoons growing up <laughs> and I, I like, I don't know when I was growing up, it was a lot of Bugs Bunny cartoons and I loved the three stooges. I just thought they were so funny. And I just love that kind of being really silly. And I love people laughing and I don't think we laugh enough. I think we need to laugh a hundred times more than we're laughing right now. So that kind of, I love the silly, I love silly humor. I just really love it. So I thought, you know, that's, to me, that just, it makes me feel good to laugh. And that's, you know, that's good. 
that's very, very good, that joy and that silliness. I, I think we need so much more of that because we're so bogged down with things that we can't control. So you might as well just start laughing. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so I think that's what the good thing about puppets is, is that you can you can be silly because you're being, you know, a, a, a Mr. Pooh puppet. So it'll, it allows you to become a silly thing. So if you were doing it without Mr. Poop on your hand, they'd be like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we need to uh, get you to the hospital. <laughs> but you know, with a Mr. Poop on your hand, it gives you license to be silly. I think puppets give you a license to be creative and silly. So, and the sillier, the better. And I think that's why adults resonate with that because you know they don't get a chance to be silly and have fun. So I think it, it allows them that. So, and, and I think it's important. I do. Yeah. I do too. Yeah, I am right? definitely yeah. through my business. I am definitely, I try to be an advocate for an advocate for silliness. I I'm a brand, I'm a brand designer. So Are you really? the industry, oh, nice. yeah, the industry is full of such serious and like, I, look, I'm, I'm a brand strategist. I, I implement strategy with my clients, but how I portray myself on social media and through my podcasts, I always try to yes. tell people like, it's okay to be silly and like, make it fun. You can still be oh a gosh. professional in what you do. If you're Absolutely. having fun, you don't have to. You're having fun. Exactly. And I think it helps you come up with better ideas too, when you're having fun and being silly. It gets, it gets the creative juices going. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I agree. Nice I'm glad that we're talking about person. it too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We need more of it. <laughs> so much more of it. Because someone yeah. said to me, um, none of us gets out of here alive. So you might as well enjoy as much as you can and be silly as much as you can. You might as well. That's true. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Good. We, we haven't really talked about this a whole lot yeah i mean we did a, a touch on it a little bit but i was wondering if you could expand on talking about the role of puppetry in therapeutic setting settings like therapy settings uh and how exactly it facilitates healing and also emotional expression for individuals who've experienced trauma i know you had the one story about the girl but yeah, i was girl. wondering yeah. if you could expand on it <laughs> a little bit oh sure Again, I think because um, art therapy is involved and um, the making of the puppets, it just allows you to separate yourself from what you're going through at the moment. And art therapy is just such a wonderful tool to help people. And if you're making something that represents what you're feeling, and then that you can make that feeling talk and explain, I think it allows, it, it just allows a lot of room for, for that. And um, if you connect it with, um, you know, play, we play these incredibly silly games like a ping pong ball and we wear these crazy hats and you have to throw the ping pong ball in the hat. So we set those up in the beginning and that just allows people to just start to get their heart cracked open and to have some joy. And then we say, okay, now we're just gonna make some puppets. And when you're making puppets, you can talk about how you're feeling because it's difficult to talk to someone if they're looking at you right in the eyes and you know they got their little pen and paper and they're they're watching you. You kind of like, oh my gosh, please don't look at me when I'm talking. But if you're busy making puppets and you know you're 
putting on hair and eyes and it I think it, it frees you if your hands are busy then you can start to speak about things so and we, we make sure that our, our workshops are incredibly gentle and um, very um, safe we try to create a very safe space so it's it's we have five days when we do our workshops and we know that the people that are coming the volunteers and the aid workers they are traumatized too so you have to kind of get them to a, a space where they feel comfortable because not only are they learning new teaching tools but we have to help them in the moment also so it's like a slow approach of of uh, building puppets being creative playing games the mindfulness simple breath work just step by step by step by step and each day introduce a new piece of the puzzle and then just have them show it back and then when they're showing it's you know all of that encouraging all that love all that care whatever you made is perfect oh my goodness that is the most beautiful um, cholera germ i've ever seen it's incredible so it's just it's like you're you're holding space for them and you're you're cradling them and you're like you're walking them through <laughs> this path because you know that you know some of them do have breakdowns in the workshop because they're holding on to this trauma while they're trying to you know help their community and their people and they're you know they've lost their house and all of that so you know, people are incredible so and i think puppetry just allows that space to connect with each other because if you're working on a, on a puppet like these um these type of puppets this one takes like three people to operate so you, you have to work together and you have to talk and you have to listen and it just allows you to just okay take a breath it, it just kind of like resets your emotional channel i guess i mean i'm not a clinical psychologist I'm a, I'm a i teach puppetry but i've seen it enough times to know that building art and allowing people to be creative and, and um, giving them a safe space can really help people heal and we of course work with clinical professionals who are trained in trauma so that if something were to happen they know how to deal with it because i don't i mean i can hug you and and be there for you but i am not a professional so <clears throat> but i've seen how this this kind of art form really works really really works so it's it's amazing yeah so i'm honored to be able to do this it's crazy how um, amazing it is and necessary it is and so yeah I think that answered your question <laughs> yeah yeah it does is it is it ever like is it ever challenging to kind of be in in such a like space with where how do I word not the best at wording things but is is it ever challenging to be in in that that space with people who've experienced trauma where you're trying like even though you're trying to help them I would imagine it would still be challenging in some regard yes because you you're hearing the stories you know like a coffee break isn't just a coffee break it's somebody telling you that the uh, ISIS took their daughter and their granddaughter and he doesn't ever think he's going to see them again this is just over a coffee break you know before we get back to work and they're just I don't oh my gosh so but for me when I go there I, I know I have a huge responsibility I need to be present and I need to be there 100% I don't matter in that moment I'll deal with that when I get home 
you know, I'll figure out what works for me, a massage, you know, walking in the woods, being so grateful that I don't live in, in a place that's like that. Um, but when I'm there, I'm, I know it's such a gift and an honor and such a privilege, and I have to just be there for them in whatever capacity. So it doesn't matter if I'm tired, I don't want to do it, I'm just like, this isn't working. I just always say, okay, I, I'm with you. I'll stay after and show you this. I, I don't mind. It's okay. Because I just, just watching people in parts of the world where the daily struggle is overwhelming. And yeah, you get residual trauma when you leave. You know, sometimes I just want to cry, and I have, but never, I won't do it in front of people. So I have my strategies. That's also why I do yoga and, and meditation because I had to do something. So, but it's it's a lot. It's but the human um, humans are amazing. The capacity to to keep going and, and to care for one another and care for their families, care for the country. I mean, young people. Wow, I hate when people talk about young people how out of touch they are. They no, there's so many amazing young people out there that are doing such good work, caring about their communities, their families, their country. It's <clears throat> it's amazing. It's amazing. Young people are so special. Excuse me. Hmm. You're a young person, so you don't have it easy. <laughs> well, I I also kind of like looking back, doing research. I, I feel like no matter what generation the youngest generation is at the time, like they always get flagged. Yes. You know, like they it always do. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh. You're right. The youngest generation, but it seems particularly nowadays, the younger generation gets even more. And I'm always just like, no, I've met so many incredibly young people that are working so hard and with such love and not only dealing with what they have to do, but also dealing with climate change and, you know, resources that are drying up. And they're still like, it's okay. We, we're going to, we're going to fix this or, or we're going to work really hard to try and fix this. And it's just amazing. Just amazing. I'm always in awe of young people. I've met so many. I'm very lucky. Yeah. I, I feel You're like we're definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I do feel like we're kind of in an age where it makes it in a sense, it's more difficult because everything's kind of just at your fingertips. Uh, anything you want to learn about, anything that you want to educate yourself about, you don't yeah. really necessarily have to, and this is just my my belief, right? And, you know, sometimes people get mad at me for saying this, but I didn't finish college because I figured out what I wanted to do. And then I figured out that I didn't need to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to do it. So I decided not to. Good for you. Good but, for you. But we're also, I, I feel like the reason why it kind of seems like maybe we get more more flack for like the younger the younger generations is because also the same reason everything is at your fingertips and anyone can go on the internet any random person can go on the internet say something whether it be positive or negative and it just spreads yeah. like wildfire so yeah i i don't feel like that was really really very common you know 20 30 40 years ago <laughs> so not at all <laughs> it's yeah. a, it can yeah. be good it can be really bad so <laughs> yes Yes, but that's, that's important. Very, very that's true. why it's important. It's important we talk about these things. So I'm glad. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And it is a lot. There's, and it, it makes people nervous to talk about things that are they feel are best hidden away. 
and sometimes they need the light of the sun to disinfect them. And you have to talk about it because, it, you know, everyone is, is different. It's, people are different now. You learn differently. You know, and young people, you're right, college is so expensive and to live in an apartment and to pay for food is so expensive and wages haven't kept up with prices. And, you know, it's just, and you can navigate a different way to make money. Like doing this is kind of, it's so different and so cool. You don't, you know, necessarily have to go to college or you can go later. You don't have to go when you're 18. Why would you? It's too expensive unless you know exactly what you want to do. Why not wait? Like my kids, when he graduated high school, I made him travel around the world. I said, you need to go see the world. And he did. He left for like nine months. And he came back and, you know, um, it was such an experience for him. <clears throat> it was like going to college. So there's different ways to get educated. So, um, yeah. And there's different kinds of people from different ways to learn. So not everybody should go to college. It's difficult. It's not easy going to college and sitting there. And if you're not that kind of learner, why would you go there? So Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So we are coming up on an hour, but I do have one more question oh, before gosh. we do your self-promo. Uh, I think no, no ArtWise guest comes on here and doesn't answer this question. I ask everybody. Oh gosh. So <laughs> like your your past self at the beginning of, of your career, just aspiring to do what you're doing now, or maybe you didn't know what you wanted to do now, but your past self, uh, what advice would you give to your to your past self um, or or anybody who is an aspiring puppeteer or who is interested in using their craft to do humanitarian work and make a difference in the world? What would what advice would you give? Well, I think for me, the one thing is don't give up. Never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. <laughs> uh, yeah, just don't give up. And and I know it's hard because sometimes, you know, you're, you're in the deepest, darkest hole and you're just like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. But just don't give up. There's so many different ways. And like with puppeteers who want to be a puppeteer, there's, um, you know, there's all kinds of in every state. There's puppetry guilds, like regions. Uh, there's, you know, puppetry festivals. Um, and it's so good that everything's online now and, and, and Instagram and you can connect with people, whatever art form that you like. And you find your people. It's all about finding your tribe. And it's difficult when you're really young, especially in high school, but your tribe is there and they're out there and, and you just have to find them. And it, it's a passion in your heart and, and it's, you know, that's what you want. Just go for it. Just go for it and just never give up um, and but do a lot of self-care because it's not easy when people don't agree with you and will try to stop you because they don't understand you. So definitely don't give up, but self-care, a lot of self-care. So, you know, just out going for a walk, breathing, um, even eating your favorite food, just and just don't ever give up. It'll happen. It will happen. Or it will lead you down another path. You never know. Like I was going to be a, a scientist and that was it for me. And I, I, now I'm a puppeteer. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I almost so. went to college for chemistry. <laughs> oh, almost. my goodness. Really yeah. Oh, big, my goodness. 
big 180. It was, I, well, I always, I always kind of knew I wanted to go into the creative field. My dad's an artist. So, um, oh, it was, okay. yes, it was pretty yes. it's in the family. Yeah. But then I had, you know, I had all my teachers in my ear being like, you're so smart. Why yeah. waste it? And I'm like, waste, it's not a waste. Um, uh, but it's not yeah. a waste. <laughs> you don't waste it. <laughs> you just yeah. do it differently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, yeah. I had that said to me by, yeah, I feel yeah, like I'm doing look okay. Look at you. You're, you're doing what you love. It's fabulous. You're, you're doing it in your way that works for you. Yeah. It's not going to yes. work for everybody. And you can't copy someone else. You can, they can guide you like, okay, that person is successful. What are they doing that makes them successful? You know, take the bits that make sense to you and discard the rest and figure out how to make it yours. And then just because everyone has a voice and everyone is important and no one can say it the way you're going to say it. So everyone is necessary and needed you just find the way that works for you that makes you happy if it doesn't make you happy don't do it, it makes you happy because it's a lot of work then go for it go for it why not right yeah <laughs> i couldn't i yes. couldn't agree more thank you so much lisa for coming on i appreciate you. you taking the time to talk to me and to share oh, your passion thank you thank yeah you i had it was a fun fun episode but I do, I do want to give you a chance to do your self, self promo. So if you want to go ahead okay. and tell everybody how they can support you or anything at all that you want to promote, uh, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Uh, so my website is sattvacreativearts.com, sattva, S-A-T-T-V-A, creativearts.com. That's also my Instagram um, handle, at sattvacreativearts. And I'm um, working on something new, which is a training program with my, my lovely yogi meditation friends. Uh, and it's, I have to look it up here, yourdirectpath.com. And you go on there and it will have all kinds of information for yoga and meditation. But there's a at play little icon. So go to that. And it's a training where we're working on blending mindfulness, puppetry, and play into a training program for um, you know, teachers, educators, uh, social workers, any clinical professionals, volunteers, parents, anybody who works with kids and how to blend the art of puppetry with mindfulness and breath work and play, a lot of play kind of ideas, putting it all together for uh, children to help them navigate going to school and all the different things that they have to deal with. So it's a training program, which should be really cool. So yeah, those are my three my three things. Oh, but what one thing that I'm really working on now is a puppet program for uh, menstrual health management. That's a, a passion of mine. So I'm making these um, uh, puppets that deal with menstrual health. How do how do we talk about this in a in a fun way that's culturally appropriate? So this is just a little pad puppet. And I talk too. Hello, hello. Again, I'm simple, and I talk about menstrual health, which is totally biology people all natural <laughs> so it's how do we talk about that which you know half the population has a period and you know talking about body parts in a way that's you know fun educational you know having to struggle through this and in some countries you know uh, girls have to go to a, a hut so and you know you have your period every month you have basically have seven years of a period and every month, they, these poor girls are, are 
said, okay, you need to leave the family and go into a hut till your period's over. You can't be around anybody. Why? <laughs> it's just, it needs education. So, so I made these puppets, you know, um, this is a blood droplet, but she's also an astronaut. She has a little astronaut helmet. So yes, she can go to outer space and have her period at the same time. Yay. So that's, that's my so new cool. subject matter that I'm working on that I think is very timely right now and very needed and necessary in countries where they don't have access to period products or education and girls don't go to school. So they're missing out on school and it's, you know, early marriage. So that's, and it's a whole population of women and girls who this world needs, you know, you never know that one of them could be a top scientist or a top doctor, you know, an explorer or come up with what's going to solve climate change. So, so for me, it's very personal. So that's my other project I'm working on. <laughs> so, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I think, no, I, I think that's so, I, that's so needed. That's so, so needed. needed. Right? Even, even here, I, I told you, I think before we started recording, but I think most of the listeners know that I live in Florida. We just had a bill passed, the don't say period law no. here. It passed. Don't say period. What? what? Yeah, oh. they, uh, I think the law says they, you can't talk about it with children before the sixth grade, which is horrible because I think sixth a lot of women, girl, yes. yeah, girls yes. get, get their period before that very often it's it's not uncommon at all so it's not uncommon at all that is that's very unfortunate that's very natural biological fact of life and you wouldn't be here unless your mother had a period so it's it's especially upsetting because if a girl younger than that middle school like sixth grade mark is actively having a period and she goes to the nurse like the nurse legally can't explain to her what's happening so she just has to think she's dying until she's able to go home and her parents are able to explain to her that she's yes. fine yes. so i think it's definitely very necessary and i'm i'm so glad that you even though it was at the very end of the episode i'm so glad that you brought that i know up. i totally <laughs> forgot about them <laughs> i think it's yes. very impo- yes. very important to talk it's about it's very important yes because i think it sets a, a girl up for um you know self-esteem issues if you don't talk about something and she's worried every month it's not like it's once or twice a year it's every month a girl a woman people who menstruate have a period so that's just not right it's biology yeah. it's nothing to be ashamed of i mean when i was growing up my you know for me it was my mother's like don't talk about it don't tell anybody so you know i thought oh my gosh this is don't say a thing no one's having this period but you know it's it's 2023 that's ridiculous you should talk about it (laughs) yes education it's a it's how your body works and if you have problems physical problems because a lot of people suffer on their period it's good to know your body and how it operates and it's a sign of your health if your period comes and it's it's a you know you could get through it but a lot of women don't they they have a lot of pain they struggle and they, they you know they don't feel confident to talk about it to talk about it it's crazy plus it's expensive yeah period products are expensive yeah oh that's very sad i'm sorry it's very sorry. i'm i'm hoping that that 
it'll get overturned or at some point. But yeah, I yes. I thought it was important to bring, even though it's the end of the episode, I, I thought it was important to bring that up because it did go, it went into, we're recording this as of July 10th. It went into place on the 1st. So we're about a weekend. <laughs> but I didn't know about that. Wow. It's crazy. That's, yeah. That's I heard crazy. about it. I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, seriously? Yeah. Is that what we're focused on right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. that's what we're focused on. <laughs> yes but yeah yeah, um, that, yeah half the population is a period yeah half the population yeah, yeah it's oh, crazy that's awful that's crazy that's crazy yeah. wow but i'm sorry i did <laughs> it is it is it's it's kind of mind-blowing a little bit that this is something that's going into place in 2023 but um yeah i thought i thought it was important to bring that up because it's currently still an issue even here and it needs yeah. talking about so figured i'd bring it up yes. but um yeah thank you again lisa for coming on thank, thank you, you so much for your, for your time talking to me uh, i'm so excited of for this course. episode to come out i don't know how i'm gonna wait a month and a half for this episode to come out but <laughs> we'll manage i know me either <laughs> me either i know i blab i just talk and talk and talk but i, I just I'm so passionate about the subject matter so but thank it's you. exactly thank you being it's a lovely host thank you thank you it's exactly what a podcast is for right like i started a podcast because yes. i love to talk so yeah. <laughs> yes. again thank you again lisa for coming on if you guys made it this far into the episode please check us out on instagram all of lisa's support links and the support links for the podcast and the link to our instagram and everything will be in the episode description as always and wherever you're listening if you could leave us a like or five stars it really helps us out so that's it for this episode uh and i will see you guys next time bye everyone bye thank you <laughs>